This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Getting out for an afternoon walk and it is overcast and it just feels like rain so with that uncertainty I've got my green umbrella with me my portable world tree uh, topic I was thinking shapeshifters and the very first thought I had was I was seeing a, a subgenre of fantasy I think it was particularly fantasy and it had to do with shifters so the so the shape was taken out of it and the particular uh, the particular wow I'm just seeing this Christmas tree it's or it might be just say it's a I think it's a tree and it's 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 been transformed overnight so now it's a Christmas tree and there's stars and streamers on it and bows and this is quite neat yeah it's it's a it's like a hedge you know part of a hedge oh that's that's quite nice that's there's a bit of transformation there there's the the shift from no ordinary. I've walked by that hedge slash tree thing for years, and I haven't really singled it out. You know, and just overnight, it's become spectacular. It's fabulous. Uh, so, shifting the 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 book I was thinking of, the author was um, was on Twitter, and I. I think I'd asked for specifics because it had people that could change into dragons or vice versa which is which is troublesome <laughs> that that whole back and forth Ursula K. Le Guin did at least one short story where uh, I think it's a wizard there's a visit, and I think the wizard's eyes are described as sort of fiery, fiery. There's something wrong, different with the, this person's eyes. We eventually discover that they are a dragon. So it's a, instead of the other way around, you know, a wizard who changes into a dragon. Instead, it's a dragon who's become a human. I remember uh, uh, an argument that was, oh, it's, it's a doggy out for a walk. The, the argument was that it was, it was the science, it was the science of transformation that, that the, the mass, the original mass of the person, you know, or say the creature would transform that 
something had to happen with the excess. So say in the in the case of a dragon, that the dragon had to be like say you're think I'm thinking of like this huge uh, beast, and that uh, that dragon has got to reduce down. Ooh, it's another doggy. Evening. Uh, yeah. So the mass of this dragon, that it's got to go somewhere. Some solutions would be that it wouldn't be one person. That the that the all of the mass and the muscle and the wings would be distributed and into a group of uh, humans and perhaps you know say uh, humans and you know it's a traveling caravan but in reality it's this dragon that is appearing to be something other than it is why do that I'm just thinking of the character of the dragon and that perhaps it has to do with subterfuge uh, fitting in let's see what would it be almost almost like say how you don't really know that mice or rats or other pests, insects, cockroaches are there until they are there, right? Until you have a lot of them or the damage is done or something like that. Usually I start finding gifts when, uh, when we have visitors. Like there's sort of... <laughs> I argued once if they could only you know, poop outside, we'd have a much better relationship. Mice, in, in specific. Because that's, the, you know, that's the, the, the giveaway, right? You know, it's, it's that, and then it's like uh, the sound effects. And re- things really kicked into gear when they, they started to, uh, they discovered the coffee beans, right? So they were having midnight, midnight, uh, midnight coffee sessions, and I, I like the notion of the dragon, who is—it's a bit of subterfuge. Like, say, I'm, I can imagine, say, that there's a struggle between dragons and humans, say or humanoids, and that the dragons are able to transform themselves. and So it's hard to say immediately if, you know, anyone you meet could be uh, part of this, part of a dragon. And that would create some great um, conflict. I'm imagining, say, one person you know, ends up meeting a dragon and that things actually go quite well. You know, that uh, this community of people, it feels like, oh, it's like, oh, we're getting along so well. 
and then say the not not only the discovery that the dragon is that it's a dragon actually but this confusion because say dragons are demonized and then we learn that dragons are people too and then um, perhaps the the death of this community and uh, the death of this dragon that it's hunted down and slain and the the complication like the, con- the confusion say for the main character the turmoil you know of knowing on one hand that you know the, the dragon in fact wasn't evil or terrible and you know just wants to kind of camouflage itself and uh, or does it uh, and then say these you know societal um, or ideological uh, pressures to you know say dragons are bad you can't make friends with dragons you can't have peace with dragons And then I'm imagining the, what is it, Me- meeting the, the individuals who promote that ideology and uh, hearing the, their argument and, yeah. I, uh, I think the earliest sort of where I was, I was pursuing information, I can remember being in the library my mom was a librarian so I would end up at the library and while I was there I would spend time in the in the kids section that actually had um, books on the supernatural the paranormal and I ended, eventually ended up I found that section and was, was there uh, looking at werewolves and it wasn't the it wasn't the cute um, it wasn't the cute werewolves <laughs> or or you know cuter uh, uh, sexy werewolf it was it was more it, it was it was a malevolence to it um, more monstrous the but I, I remember the process of getting there and that it was like a um, I don't know if you've seen the company of wolves but there's a there's a scene where um, somebody is getting this grease and grease like um, this petro- like petroleum uh, a petroleum product and Vaseline, say, right in there. And uh, this dark limousine pulls up, and there's a, a fellow in the back uh, looking um, brooding, malevolent, diabolical. And it, it's, and into it's, I think it was. The voiceover says it's at this crossroads. It's very misty out, and this uh, this gentleman in the back seat 
hands over this grease, and then the car, the limousine drives off. And this, uh, the, the person waiting at the crossroad, is this like a teenager maybe? Oh, it's, a, it's another of my werewolf friends. Uh, let's see. <laughs> oh yes, so there's this... <clears throat> I always think about this character waiting at the crossroads. The, the motivation, the desire, right? That thinking that... That this... That this grease is some, somehow going to help them. That it is going to... There is a reason why they're there. You know, it's not just blindly stumbling... They want something. And the, the, the notion, I think, has to do with that they, there's a weakness, that they are weak. And if they can get this grease, if they can become a werewolf, that they will be powerful. And I, I think it, that's what it has to do. It's, this is all about power. Once again, conflict... It's all about power, inner conflict, outer conflict. So here's a conflicted individual who feels powerless. And it's, it's basically a bully move. You know, that's how I'm interpreting it. That through brute force, you know, that there can be this control or affecting change that benefits oneself. So this young control freak uses this substance. There's a bit of there's a bit of the bacchanal, like uh, uh, the frenzy of um, the being drunk, intoxicated. Um, bacchanalia from Bacchus or Dionysus, and you know, that's with. Uh, alcohol, it's this you know, commonly known substance, but it can uh, and does you know, make people enraged and say what they are not normally doing that suddenly they found themselves or they've blacked out and people will tell them, you know, you did something pretty bad last night. Or, or finding themselves, you know, in jail. But our young werewolf has obtained this stuff. From, from my early reading in, in the library, there was this process. It was, it was pretty bizarre. I'm not sure what those books were doing in the kids' section. But it was, it was talking about things like you've... You've got to get some baby grease, right? You know, some grease made from babies. Right there, even I at that age was just like, whoa, what's this? That's pretty strange. And it went on. And I think it was more like a kind of ghost story. That I was like scaring myself with the notion of, you know, such a thing is possible. And knowing as well, even at that age, right, that we're talking about 
symbolism and metaphor, or we're talking about uh, people who don't have a very firm grip on doing the right thing. Uh, so it had to do with baby grease, and it had to do with getting the skin of, of a wolf and some kind of ceremony, and then the person would turn into the turn into this werewolf. I remember there were these woodblock um, uh, pictures of, you know, say medieval pictures of these wolfish people, uh, and it was often had uh, babies that they were eating babies. So things are not looking good for the uh, werewolf. The symbolism, right away, uh, of course, it's obscene, and it's um, it's obscene, it's corrupt, it's, it's about uh, destroying new life. So it's, it's even preceding fertility, no, is it preceding? So this is post-fertility, and it's about the, the potential of, of the fertility to sort of, that you're going to get a new person out of this. New life. I think the notion is again. It's it's about power, you know, to to consume this new life, and that it will empower you. And just going to any culture that has some form of uh, cannibalism, you know, that it all has to do with, you know, getting your your opponent's power. It's, it's all, it's all about that. The ritual of, you know, this ritual that I read, there was, it, it brought it close to, uh, witchcraft. It, it brought it close to this idea that, you know, there's some supernatural way to become, uh, something else and that this transformation is desirable uh, things have got to be pretty bad for, for somebody to go that route just to continue with werewolves all of the portrayals the majority of portrayals say in fiction and in the cinema say they all have to do with loss of control that say you get attacked by a wolf you survive and then you find that you are becoming the thing that attacked you and you are continuing this cycle one way to read it is rabies that there is this uh, disease quality to it. Disease, parasite, that is motivating, motivating the individual, driving them, uh, driving them to become, uh, uh, you know, not human anymore, and they. They lose control of themselves. They lose control of 
their humanness, their civility, their civilization. Um, I mentioned, at some point I've mentioned, that the, that the subconscious that we've sort of uh, caged it and, you know, suppress it, because there are parts of ourselves that are not great. Ooh. Amazing Christmas lighthouse. Each of the windows has a has a sort of symbol of like there's a candle, a candy cane, I think a bell, and then um, one of the windows has a I think two reindeer with a sleigh in it, and then not to mention all of the amazing stuff on the lawn. So, so the werewolf, it's, it's very uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's, it's talking about how we have two, two natures. You know, that we have kind of like a Beowulf side and we have a Grendel side. We have a part of ourselves that we repress and then we have a part of ourselves that we accentuate it's 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 tough um, I, I've been around uh, neo-pagans or just say folks that are on the um, on the side of express yourself and uh you know, let's be more natural. But e- even within this sort of uh, urging or, you know, looking at, say, you know, being, you know, a person within a civilization, that e- even people who are arguing for... I had my uh, battery poop out on me. Which, which seems to happen when the um, temperature gets cold, that my phone, it's an older iPhone, and it's, it's, it seems to quit when it's, it just gets a bit too cold. So I'm uh, continuing uh, at home, and the, the, the point where we are, I was uh, was talking about uh, neo pagans and this um, and not just neo pagans but uh, uh, people who are advocating a kind of um, a kind of a return to nature and you know being being your natural self. Uh, rather than, um, say, being your civilized self. And um, wh- where I was getting with it was that it was that there are, um, there are limits, say, that you know, we, we, impose, we impose upon ourselves. I'm just finding myself thinking of, of, uh, of going hunting. Um, that's something that I grew up with. I grew up with 
uh, learning about um, uh, firearm safety, uh, learning about conservation, um, and I, I took a, a course when I was a younger teen that uh, you have to do. I don't know if you have to do it, but I went through this um, course. It was called Core Course. It was C O R E. <clears throat> and it just talked about firearm safety and um, all, all kinds of, uh, say, etiquette and, and, you know, good knowledge, good stuff. Um, that has informed my writing. Like, say, I, I in, in, instead of saying, you know, a gun, I will say, um, you know, a firearm. And that, that that's just a small sort of... Um, a small bit of information that, that gets lost. And, uh, like say when I'm listening and reading and talking to people and I'm kind of on the other side of the fence. Um, I went hunting once and, uh, we, you know, stalking. So sort of following footprints, hoof prints, um, of deer. And, of course, you know, so being a young teenager, I didn't appreciate it at the time. It was just sort of, oh, this is what we're doing right now. <laughs> Why can't I get back home and get to my stuff? And so we were, um, and and we didn't go out again. We didn't. Uh, I didn't go. To, yeah. So so it was just a once. It was that kind of like this huge build up, and then. Um, you know, it was kind of over, and I I sort of think of that as, in in a way that 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 is going way back. That you know that you know sort of going back to nature, um, and my my difficulty with it is that say some people talk about, um, <laughs> I can hear them collecting garbage outside. The, the dudes and uh, just waiting for the moment to pass oh but um, hunt, hunting is something you know we've been doing that for such a long time it isn't necessary anymore it's a it's a I look at it as a as a skill set say that if I had to right say for some reason that, um, you know, the economy collapses or that, you know, there's some natural disaster that, that I would be able to um, do that. Uh, there's also, say, a disconnect. We'll go shopping, uh, you know, we'll, we'll buy meat at uh, the supermarket and, say, kids grow up not knowing where this stuff comes from and not being part of the process and there's a small tragedy in that, like, say, consuming but not being conscious of where the food is coming from. Um, and that, that extends, too, to, um, say, uh, farming, right? That there's people who grow up who have, you know, they, they've never grown food before and they've never participated in that. Is it necessary? No. Um, what's my point? Getting back to nature has its pitfalls. Getting it back to nature has its pitfalls. 
um, there's fantastic stuff about science and about civilization, right? Say medicine, just for example, you know, and um, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking of it as a kind of balance, like, you know, the whole baby in the bathwater thing. You don't want to throw out this, you know, valuable asset. And uh, there are people who, who push for that. And that's, 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 a, that's a tough position to, to be in, say, if you go off into the wilderness and, you know, you haven't prepared yourself. Um, you know, back say back in the '60s, there would be people who would, you know, have have these highfalutin ideas, and that they hadn't prepared, you know, to actually go back to the earth, the wilderness, um, and they encounter nature, like not, you know, the happy-go-lucky um, nature. Nature is beautiful. They encounter, you know, this fierce uh, beast of nature. And I, th I, th I feel that I'm <clears throat> back on track with uh, what I was, <laughs> where I was originally. One uh, native e example of this metamorphosis uh, back and forth, this um, Native American First Nations, is called the uh, Skinwalker. And I just saw somebody referencing Skinwalkers on Twitter. And and then and then beyond that, my first response, like I saw the term and I, and I looked it up and I was like, oh, it's you know, it's it's Native American. And then I immediately went to uh, Celtic Celtic legend. Um, there's this tradition of um, it's a story where there's a, a chase that happens and transformation like say one person changes into uh, a cat and the other person the chaser changes into a dog and 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 this chase continues and there's this transformation you know back and forth um, you know one person becomes a bird the other person becomes a, um, a larger bird like a hawk and um, you know a rabbit and then something else a mouse this and that and from from what I remember of these stories, that there's this sort of trick that happens at the end, much like, say, you know, asking a malevolent spirit of genie or something and betting them, you know, that they, you know, can't get so small that they could fit into that bottle, you know, and then the, you know, the ego of the, the genie takes over and says, you know, I can fit in there and and then the cork goes in. And, and it has a kind of ending like that. But the, the, the skinwalker character is able to use a, a, pelt, a pelt or a, an animal hide and become that animal. Um, and in, in what I was reading, it, it, was, it was said to be um, a powerful witch. And and I was looking at that, and I was going, oh, you know, so well, no, you know, that is so shamanic. That is, you know, that's everywhere. You can go everywhere in the world, and there are shamans who who will go into a trance. They will be say, dancing and chanting, and that they will 
um, and and then of course say you know translating it into psychology right that they're that they're putting themselves in, into this altered state um, there might be uh, uh, say substances that assist in that um, but the end result is this uh, altered state a uh, a Celtic example of this is wrapping I think it's wrapping yourself up in some kind of cowhide and that you're um, you're somehow sort of like bound up, you're sort of restrained and that there's that that, that leads to say a shamanic um, a shamanic experience and a, a word I love is transcendence and that say you know you will transcend the earthly, the mundane and so have this have this experience and let's see. But but to the, the the people of these cultures, whether you're in Africa, Europe, uh, whether you're in Asia, whether you're in the Americas, Australia, you know, fantastic uh, examples there. That 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 it, it's it's all about uh, in, inducing this state, this and and this experience where um, it feels like you know you've become the elk say or that you've become uh the um the tiger or or on and on and on and that this that this experience is is you know connecting us to um this other realm you know whether it's the other world or you know spirit world the realm of the ancestors and that it It, it it explains you know and and that it's it's and too it's the basis for uh religion that these shamanic experiences going back there or notions of say you know wizards wizards and witches and druids and so on and so forth you know those are the the beginnings of of the religions that we have today and and the notion of of uh, trans transformation. Um, say, if you're looking at um, Christianity, that there's this um, kind of uh, spiritual cannibalism that that takes place, and then I'm translating that to psychological, and that uh, by consuming bread and wine and having this ritual, that you are able to transcend. Right, you are able to. Um, in a way in a way you know shape shift and become something else <clears throat> your your perception alters and you know and and that's the hope and um yeah yeah so just just continuing with i'm i'm not quite sure if i got into ovid's um metamorphosis very much that it's not just about say transformation into um, into say beasts animals and and there are those um, like say the uh, the hunter that just happens upon uh, I believe it was I believe it's Diana like this the the goddess of of the moon the goddess of the hunt 
and he happens upon her and she's bathing. So she transforms him into, uh, I think it's a deer, and uh, hunts him, right? Her, I think her hunting dogs uh, like rip him apart. So it's, it's not, a lot of these stories have these kind of, part of it has to do with origin, like say, oh, where do deers come from? Or, um, or say uh, plants. I believe it's Daphne that there's a, you know, so where, where does a certain tree come from or a certain plant? And, it, you know, it turns out that the origin has to do with uh, deities um, cursing or uh, rescuing uh, or transforming someone, say, who's passed away. And, they, you know, they're put up sort of as constellations in the sky. And it's, it's, a, it's a way for the person to, uh, to escape or to, say, outlive the, their mortality. Um, a kind of memorial because the person is is no longer who they were right that they have you know they have transcended in a sense but they've been transformed right they're no longer human another one i think i've spoken about is uh the spider um Ar arachne and originally she's this uh, woman uh, who uh I think she she says that she's better than uh, I think it was Athena, but anyways she 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 challenges the goddess or the goddess accepts the challenge right and it's it's over from the moment the, you know that the ego has spoken and it's um, you you know it's coming right anytime it, there's this. <laughs> A challenge or somebody says oh i'm better than the gods and goddesses then you know some something's not going to go well but uh, we get our first spider arachne is changed into a spider and it's it's a curse um what is it there's a saying in vancouver it's pro which is it's probably european somewhere it's it's was it don't kill spiders or it will rain and it's an interesting thought. I'm, <laughs> of course, you know, that it's ridiculous, um, supernatural. But for myself, I like spiders because they, um, you know, they catch flies, they, um, <clears throat> say, mosquitoes, things like that. So I see them, I see them as a good thing. The not so great is, like, say, having webbing, right? So you don't want a big spider web around your place. Um but say if they could catch them outside, I'm I'm happy about that. Yeah. So personally, I don't kill spiders. And you know, it, it's obvious in Vancouver where it rains a lot. So either we're killing a lot of spiders, or it's utter nonsense. But it makes for a great story. So the the shapeshifters be beyond werewolves. Uh, that we have, we have the lycanthropy. We have um, uh, we have we have werewolves in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which I was playing as a young teen. That that there were other kinds of lycan like lycanthropes. <laughs> that there were, um, I think there were rat 
you know, there were rat, like, lycanthropy, there was, um, eventually it, it, it spread out into everything, so that, you know, you could, you could transform into, into something else. There is, there is an element of, say, on, on one hand, there's an element of the supernatural, which seems very much like the, uh, how zombies started off, that there was a connection to the supernatural, whereas now it, it's more of a um, pathogen, right? It's, it's a virus or it's, uh, you know, bacteria. But mo moving away from the supernatural and towards, uh, yeah, towards something else. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking about, I'm just thinking about, say, stories where, where characters are transforming into something else. And I, I like the subtext of that there's this wrestling going on with somebody's, um, somebody's sort of like a part of themselves, for lack of a better word, primitive or say uh, that is not constrained by by society so say having having a character who's um, who, who's wrestling with that side of themselves there's a there's the element of the of the curse that this person is cursed with this um, this problem that they that they will kind of explode um, that there's this uh, volcano inside of them that sort of sort of building up, and they're not able to uh, restrain themselves. Jumping back to uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, there there's this obvious uh, division there, and and it's it's pursued Ver versus say. Um, the various fly movies where where there's this intention this quest for science and that's leading to lead that leads to this transformation it's it's unwanted and dr jekyll and mr hyde there's this quest it's it's looking for how can you make um you know the perfect gentleman how can you take a human being and um ooh, i just thought i thought neuter or spay right yeah how can you um uh, castrate for lack of better that you know to sort of to stop that person from from having these biological impulses or um you know in on one sense it's you know testosterone driven you know that the part of our dna that's sort of hell-bent towards uh, survival right how do you uh, how do you stop stop that? And so th there's differences between those stories. There's differences between, say, the you know the person the the werewolf story where somebody's cursed, right? And two, it's a strange thing because the, you know it's it, the curse is a cultural interpretation. It's often uh, you know seen by um, in in the movies, it's oh, what's the what's the PC term now? 
it's um I think it's 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 um it's Romany or um uh let's see a- anyways I'll come up with it but you know say people traveling around in, in caravans um and you know this sort of generalization of of these people but that they they look on the werewolf as as this curse they're interpreting it that, but it could really be, um, say, like a virus, this this kind of infection, like like say rabies, say that it could, you know, it could be it could be a form of rabies, and that uh, humans interpret it, you know, best they can, and um, with, you know, traditions and heritage that they have, and was it, there's a plant called wolfsbane that I. I think it's that the wolfsbane sort of keeps the wolf, you know werewolf away, but that the, there's this attack that happens. This attack that happens. The story is is a tragedy. It has a tragic arc, uh, much like the mad scientists' uh, stories, such as. Um, such as the fly, that there's this tragic arc that goes on. But but the differences are that rather than, say, getting attacked, you know, being an innocent, that, say, in the fly, the mad scientist, it has to do with uh, pursuing, um, pursuing science um, too far, too fast, um, you know, Frankenstein would fall into that, that, that sort of story structure. Um, but then there's that difference in the transformation between the two stories. I'm just thinking of other um, trans- transformations. I think, I think it was, there was Stephen King was in a, in a, a horror anthology. Um, I want to say it's something like Creepshow. But Stephen King was actually he was acting, and he's he's this, uh, for lack of better, uh, hillbilly, some kind of farmer, that uh, you know he he has his he has his uh, shack, his farmhouse, um, you know everything is looking very uh, run down, and um, but anyway, so he's he's there. And he he sees this meteor fall, and uh, becomes infected with this uh, uh, sort of green. So uh, uh, it's almost like green grass that just co- covers everything. There's a bit of there's a bit of Lovecraft, uh, the color from outer space, um, and it's hard to say. <laughs> it's. It's a it's an odd kind of story, but once again you have this sort of innocent person who happens upon uh, this sort of infection or curse, and um, th- this stuff just takes over everything. Right. Jumping back to shifters, and. And and the difficulty, the difficulty with shifters, I'm thinking of a um, 
thinking of an earlier, uh, earlier, I would say, shifter, which is Bjorn from uh, The Hobbit. So this is before Lord of the Rings. There's The Hobbit, and it's about halfway through the story we encounter um, Bjorn, the the party, the, the dwarves, um, Bilbo, and Gandalf have gotten through the Misty Mountains and seek refuge at uh, Bjorn's, Bjorn's house, um, his sort of domain. In a strange way, he's kind of like a Tom Bombadil, right? That he seems to control an, an area. And yeah, his shape-shifting ability is that he can transform into a bear, a big bear. And he's a big, big guy. And to, from the perception of, say, dwarves or hobbits, that, you know, as a human, you know, he's going to be taller, something around the size of, of Gandalf. But I always got the impression that he was sort of, you know, bigger, sort of muscly, or just say how his posture that he would be bear-like. And so uh, they, get, they get to Bjorn's place, and Bjorn um, is... It really feels like all of the animals are more like his pets, and that they have a kind of sentience, you know, that they are um, watching, watching the territory, and they are, um, yeah, pets or servants, or that they're working in agreement, and that Bjorn himself um, straddles. He seems closer to nature. Um, he... There's this warning he gives, you know, oh, don't go outside. And and the reason is, is because he's outside at night. He's, I guess, patrolling the area. And, you know, the dwarves and, and Bilbo are, are concerned about this, that they can hear something outside. And so there's, there's this difference. Um, there's this difference uh, between the two. And there's this sense of there's a sense of violence there's this sense of um of, of the wild that there's this untamed side of bjorn i i think that the great thing about it is that it's not it, it's not say couched in evil like werewolves especially early werewolves stories which you know there's this incredible malevolence and terrible, um, you know, the whole baby eating thing, you know, the, you know, it's the, this is a different territory. However, with the, the closing and the locking of the door and the warning, don't, don't go out at night. Um, there is a, there is a fallback to wolves say that, you know, that say this very old relationship with, you know, outside at night. Um, the examples here, uh, you know, oh, come to Vancouver, lovely place, beautiful mountains, ocean, the, the people are very apologetic. However, you know, you know, if you leave the city, and we have coyotes coming into the city that, you know, 
steal pets, right? You know, you don't want to be a pet in Vancouver at, late at night, <laughs> you know, wandering around outside. But but my, you know, the, the the greater problem is we have mountains, and where we are, we have mountain lions. You know, people have other names for them, cougars. You know, sort of, no, these are not middle-aged women. These are giant cats and they are wild and yeah and we'll have people who are bicycling or uh, going out for a run or just you know walking their dog I will drive out to this mountain and just have a little walk around and 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 they'll not prepare they'll forget you know that we we do have you know wild animals um it's it's interesting, right? Say, you know, you're living in the city and you're thinking, right? You're thinking, oh, you know, skunks, raccoons, coyotes, that's it. But no. Um, and and then there's this sort of shock, like say that, that somebody sees the line or they're attacked um, and um, possibly mauled and then it will have this sort of spasm of, news about this and, and reminding people um, most I, I'd like to think that say most people who uh, say have families here you know generations and have have grown up here have some knowledge of that and then I have concerns that say people that are new to Vancouver whether they're from another part of Canada or um, you know they're coming from you know another country um, possibly even the states, you know, or just say somebody who grew up in the city and it has, who had never gone out to the mountains before. So, you know, there's, there's warnings, there's warnings up and everything, but not everybody listens. Um, and, and that say with wolves, there's this, there's this almost, it's like we have, they're in our, our, our fairy tales, our nursery rhymes, Stories like the Three Pigs, uh, that there's this deeply embedded um, reminder of of wolves, and we, and so we do have wolves in North America, but you know those those warnings and traditions are coming from you know Europe. Um, those stories, uh, but it, it it's equally it's equally here as well. It's it's so strange because you say we you know it's like I I don't even think about it most of the time, but as soon as soon as somebody brings up you know, uh, oh Moss let's you know let's go drive out to such and such a mountain right and I say we, you know my mind there will something will happen in my mind and I will sort of shift you know shift gears, right and I'll start suddenly start talking about, you know bear spray or something like that or you know oh hold on a second I'm going to see if there's any you know. Um, warnings, uh, mountain lion warnings, right? And it's like, what? <laughs> and, and two, part of this is, is having, having grown up with some experience of uh, hunting, camping, hiking. And so, yeah, pros and cons. You know, it's, yeah, beautiful place and slightly dangerous. So, uh, Bjorn, Bjorn goes against the mold, you know, Bjorn, and too, I wonder if, if, 
Tolkien could have done the same thing with Bjorn. I wonder if, like, if Bjorn was a wolf, a wolf man instead of a bear man. I wonder if Bjorn could have um, been a, 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 a werewolf, or or if it would have been too um, too much. The character might have started off as a werewolf, but it's so loaded, like the wolf, the werewolf. <clears throat> so, yeah, I wonder if Tolkien originally started the character, or if there was ever a moment where Tolkien said, oh, no, it can't be a werewolf, because, um, yeah, because it's just too... Um, um, say the stereotype is too strong um, to get away from. That said, uh, there are a lot of examples of of werewolves that are say um, there isn't there isn't a problem with, or at least it's being portrayed. Like say in the in the Twilight series, um, there there are these werewolves. Um, sexy werewolves that say can transform they can transform at will uh, into these large wolves um, but they don't lose themselves and and that's that's something uh, in the in the traditional werewolf stories is that this person ceased, ceases to become uh, human and, and they've they've become an animal in the worst sense <clears throat> You know, truly feral, um, violent, and is is actually actively looking to kill and uh, kill people. I'm just thinking of another one that's on the flip side. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the character of Oz, uh, who is Willow's boyfriend for a while, and there's there's a kind of comic quality. Well, Buffy is comic and a bit camp, and um, Oz, Oz is having you know sort of realizing that he's a werewolf, and he, he calls his aunt and asks if his if his cousin's a werewolf, and it, it's 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 bizarre. Like say you know, uh, I saw that and smirked because I th- it's like ah you know this is kind of kind of breaking the fourth wall kind of a wink to the audience. Um, <clears throat> but his his character, he he transforms on the full moon and he becomes a, a beast. He becomes an animal. And and also to very active, a very um I want to say passionate because there was one episode where he was very passionate, but he he will, you know, lock himself up um, to levels of success, sometimes sometimes he he'll break out, or somebody lets him out, or something. And so so there's a, there's a mix using the mythology. Uh, you know, people pick and choose, right? I I want my werewolves to be um, smart and smart, and you know they don't look like you know, crazy, um, um, rabid wolves, or, you know, I, you know, it's going to happen on the full moon. Uh, we're going to have hints of the supernatural involved wolves being, you know, 
how does that play into things? Being right up there with garlic for vampires. It's so great to see that stuff, right? It's great to see people, you know, wandering around with crucifixes and it actually works, or garlic, you know, and it actually keeps the uh, the um, it keeps the uh, vampires away. And and it feels like we're we're sort of steering away from that. You know, feel free to argue, but it just feels like, say, especially with zombies, that you know we've we've steered away from um, you know the wonderful, amazing goodness of the supernatural, which you know is it's a good thing. Get more realistic. It's, that's good. And, and and two, there are examples of the supernatural in you know every year, every movie. I'm just thinking of The Mummy recently, which uh, was the Tom Cruise. Um, I'm sort of wondering if they're if they're going to release any more movies because there was this um, response that it felt almost like they had gone too far away from from the originals. Um, yeah. Because I, I I I saw the the mummy and I was I was like mm, uh, <laughs> I don't know I'm not feeling it. There was some great stuff and there was some great acting, you know, but but there was also this sort of feeling of you know is it is it the mummy? You know it's not it's not say. It's it's, it's very different from like say the the Boris Karloff mummy, and then two. It's tough because you know being sort of producing that kind of stuff and trying to sort of figure out what will sell, right? Is it just about it? And two, it's it's great that it's not just about Tom Cruise that you just plop Tom Cruise into anything and you've got you know magic, magic goodness. So uh, I keep trying to get back to shifters, but I keep uh, I keep getting away from it. And oh, we're oh, we're we're now over and into overtime. Uh so shifters. One just last concern with shifters is that that they are that that the that the ability to change back and forth um say if it's just if if it's just this clean transformation that happens and that say uh, people are able to transform into dragons and that one one of the critiques is ah well where where did the rest of the dragon go and one one of the solutions is oh, okay well you you know say turn it into um you know that there's there's always say a horse and a rider and then you know, some something else, like say a a caravan or a, a carriage, right? Or, so that's an option. Why? Just it, I think it's called displacement. It's like where did the rest of the dragon go? And that could be easy, That could be said by say something like that. There's a a ring or something that you know that is able to contain the rest of the form of the dragon. Oh, moss. Who cares about that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> um, another part of it is that 
dragons are different, right? That there's there's something going on with dragons that where, you know, dragons, I've read alien dragons, I've read, um, you know, dragons that are supernatural, um, you know, say dragons that are able to, you know, fly in space and, and they're more kind of insect-like, um, but that there's this difference, obviously, right, that they're not human, um, I do quite like the idea of rabies for uh, shifters. I do like yeah, I do like that there's a curse element to it so that it's not cut and dry, right? That say somebody is able to rumple rumble rumble change into a dragon and uh, why? Because story is about change. Ursula K. Le Guin. It's about and change is conflict. Uh, story is all about conflict. Uh, you're you're looking for conflict during editing. It's it's always about where can I get more conflict, you know, e- emotional conflict, physical conflict, eternal internal conflict. And so, there's got to be a kind of price to this, you know, whether it's um, an infernal price. You know, whether you're going for dragons are, you know, connected to the infernal, or if you're going for dragons as representatives of nature, right? That's another way to go, another angle to spin. I mentioned sort of an insect's kind of sci fi dragon. And once again, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a different kind of allegiance. Um, very much like looking at. Um, fairy, and just that here's people, these people are not human, right? They are not, um, they have a different sense of, say, honor and ethics, and um, so that, that, you know, there's a, there's a kind of price, um, a price, a curse, a, an, an ownership, right, to this, to this ability. Is, is the ability um, magic, or is this ability biological, right? Um, is it, is it, is it purely psychological? Like say, you know, that like a shaman, you know, just experiencing this, this state, you know, that's interesting, right? You know, people that go through this uh, experience of becoming dragons, right, and that that they imagine themselves as as these things it's not so <laughs> it's not so colorful and cinemagraphic but still it's it's pretty cool i'm going over time um oh heck i'll just go over time and talk until it you know it's over <clears throat> so so these characters these these characters it's it's too um simplistic what works for Bjorn is that there is this sense of danger to them. And if if it's just thrown away that there are these that people with this ability, um, that, you know, in a sense, there has to be a disability to that, right? That, that there is this bit of juxtaposition, right? That, uh, that there's this flaw, a character flaw. 
I find myself going back to Elric of Melnobone. You know, he's this, you know, he's this, he's a wizard. He's, uh, he's super enhanced. Uh, there was this strange, uh, um, it, there, there were these uh, dream couches uh, that were, say, when you're, when you're going to school uh, where he grew up, I think it was called the Dreaming Isles, but uh, there were these couches where you would um, study, and and you would, you know, you would be dreaming, but your dreams would be uh, educational, and and you would say, you know, dream for an hour, but in the dream it would be a thousand years, and you would be learning and meeting all kinds of bizarre um, individuals. Um, but it was all about acquiring knowledge and experience. And, and you know, Elric Melnibone has this vampire sword. He's got all these allegiances to supernatural beings. Um, but he is, he is weak. He is, um, he is not healthy. And so he, he has to use um, medicine. Uh, and medicine and enchantment to um, to function really, and so occasionally he'll he'll say lose his medicine or his um, enchantment and he'll uh, be ineffectual. He will be unable to do things, and so there's a, there's a bit of balance to this character, right? They're you know not all powerful, and that's that's really that's what I'm looking for in in characters you know what is their what is their flaw in the in three areas you know what is the physical flaw what is the um emotional flaw what is the internal flaw you know their in their psychology uh why it's 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 better to have conflict otherwise it flatlines and there's there's no like say if you have a super character say imagining like Superman without kryptonite or Superman without ethics um, and two it it is the ethics that is his flaw it keeps him from doing things right he restrains himself he's trying to do the right thing rather than um, <laughs> yeah um, instead of turning into a fascist dictator right. You know, one world under KL, uh, Superman. So, uh, okay, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, I, I think I've, I've covered a bunch of stuff. And thank you for listening. And uh, take care. Uh, just write. Sit down. Write one word. Possibly it will turn into two and maybe three.